Hey everyone, and welcome to the 65th episode of The Liam McCollum Show. In this interview, I talked with my friend Dylan Dean. He's the state chair at Young Americans for Liberty in Montana. He's also the president of the YAL group at Montana State University. I brought him on to talk about his organization at Montana State and the protests that they organized against the mask mandates and the potential vaccine mandates that the Montana State University is, is talking about. It received a lot of attention and Dylan was featured in a bunch of publications across the country, including one in the Daily Caller. Dylan received a bunch of emails from faculty and I wanted to bring him on to talk about that experience and how the protests were received and how successful the student group is. We also get into the controversy of who governs the Montana University system and the controversial bill that allowed students to carry guns on campus and how that is doing in the courts right now. I hope you enjoy this interview and remember to subscribe to me on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Here's Dylan. All right, everyone. So I have Dylan Dean with me. He's a really great friend. Come to know him over the past two years. And uh, you may have read about him in the Daily Caller and some other publications. I had a friend actually reach out to me from Florida mentioning Dylan Dean. And I brought him on to talk about the events that inspired those articles. Um, Dylan, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell people who you are um, and what your affiliation with YAL and MSU is? Yeah, so I'm I'm Dylan Dean. I'm the state chair of Young Americans for Liberty for Montana and Wyoming. I've been a student at MSU for a little bit. I'm a senior in electrical engineering, taking the semester off because I'm a bit sick of all the COVID policies and not getting the education I'm paying for, but I'll be back soon enough. Yeah, so what is your responsibility with Yeah? So I work on helping lead the chapters across the those two states work with legislators. We did a lot of work on campus free speech bills this past legislative session, House Bills 218 and 349, which protect free speech and clubs rights at universities. And now we're working to fight COVID mandates at Montana universities as well. I guess to get into why I brought you on, um, it's pretty impressive the your ability to organize at MSU and relative to the University of Montana, where I go to school, it's, it's kind of, it's been difficult here to organize. You know, we have professors who will try to um, disrupt uh, organizations if they're out on the Oval or something like that, where there's plenty of stories about this, but now that this free speech bill passed, it's been, we've, we've received, we've been received better. Um, But MSU, you told me that that currently Young Americans for Liberty is the biggest political organization on campus. Um, do you want to just talk about the success that you've had and what you tried planning about the mask mandates and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure that we're the the largest, but we've got around 50 people in, in the group chat that are actively talking and coming to our events and such. And we've been doing the most public events that have been I've seen. But yeah, we got we got really pissed that the university started off the semester with no mask mandate. They sent an email saying masks are optional. Then second day of classes, they changed the mask policy, mandated them in classrooms. Once the tuition checks are cashed, once it's too late to choose from school. I know multiple freshmen who attended MSU because of the lack of mandates. And now they can't go somewhere that actually doesn't have these mandates. They're stuck here. And they recently expanded those mandates to the dining halls 
residence halls to the gym. You can't walk from your dorm room to the bathroom in the dorms without putting a mask on. And and your main argument has been that I think you just mentioned it that upon signing up for this school year and upon paying for tuition, they were promised or uh, at that time it was that they didn't have to wear masks on campus. And now, now that tuition has gone through and they would have to get a W on their transcript, if they wanted to withdraw from the class, um, they have to wear masks. Is, is that yeah. kind of the argument? Yeah, exactly. What exactly was Yal's goal with the petition and how successful was that? So we were trying to demonstrate the student opposition to these mandates. There's back in the beginning of the semester, before those mandates were in place, the first two days of classes, compliance with masks was like five to 10% of students wearing them. Very, very few students feel like they're necessary at this point. And so we were trying to have a tangible way to show administration that the students don't want this. And so we started collecting petition signatures. We did it online. We did it in person, standing in front of, standing in different areas on campus, having people sign. We ended up, we're around 1,200 now. I think we're over 1,200, which, as far as I can tell, is the largest petition in MSU history by a wide, a wide margin. And the goal is just to remove the mask mandate? Entirely? Yeah. Okay. Would you have been okay with the mask mandate if it was the policy at the time? Like, would, would Yale have an argument? Or do you think that the, there would still be standing to remove it? And do you think that you would still pursue removing it? We'd still be opposed to it. That, that I feel like, is the strongest argument, right? Okay. Because okay. students came here. Everyone who came to MSU came here expecting a mask mandate. So the students who were worried about COVID spreading, worried about those kind of things, had the opportunity to go somewhere else as well. Students chose MSU knowing that was the policy. If that was the policy from the get-go, we'd still oppose it because we're now at a point in time when if someone is concerned about COVID, they can get vaccinated, right? They can protect themselves. This was this is no longer the kind of collective action problem you need to have mandates to protect each other with because it's up to the individual to, to get vaccinated, to change their behavior in ways that make them safer if they're concerned about are there any talks of like enforcing a a vaccine mandate at msu or i guess in the mus system yeah there's there's a lot going on there the montana state university faculty senate voted unanimously to urge the board of regents to impose a vaccine mandate because they don't have that authority they wanted the board of regents to do it one faculty member with faculty senate wasn't at that meeting at draft so he didn't vote i think he's opposed to those mandates and the University of Montana, the faculty senate and the student body government voted for the same thing to urge the Board of Regents to impose vaccine mandates statewide. So do you, I mean, do you think that like it's possible that that will go through? Like, what do you think now that this petition has been pretty successful at MSU and being that MSU and UM are kind of connected through this university system, what do you think the chances of UM imposing a vaccine mandate and or MSU or like, is it possible for them to do it individually or do they have to do it the same at the same time? And what do you think the chances of of that is? So from my understanding and the university system is so complex in how it works that I'm not entirely sure from my understanding. And I think the reason that they're doing it this way is that the board of regents has that authority and they had the authority for masks originally, but they delegated that to the individual university level this year. 
but they still have the authority for vaccine mandate. So only that body can do it and it would be statewide. I think that it was possible. I, I hear that the Board of Regents favors a vaccine mandate by around two thirds, but I'm hopeful that the opposition they're seeing to mask mandates, they'll, they'll reconsider. And I, I don't think that they're going to be implementing vaccine mandates at this point, especially as we continue to put pressure on the university system and the Board of Regents. What was the protest like? Like how many people did you have show up and what was the energy like? Did, um, did you guys get confronted by any faculty? And I guess were, did, was there any opposition? Like, was there any counter protests or anything like that? It was, it was very interesting actually. So before the protests, I had the Dean of students come up to me and kind of talk me over like, especially the megaphone usage. Cause we, we brought a megaphone. We were going to be, you know, a little shouty. And he's like, okay, you can use it from noon to one. I'm like, that seems that seems fair. That's enough time to kind of get our message across. What we ended up doing, we had our members and the students who had been reached out to, about like 20 to 30 of them in this core group, like in front of Montana Hall. And then a crowd of, of people that were pretty fairly mixed between for and against us. And that group was probably around 100, a little over 100 people. So decent turnout. Uh, again, that group probably around 50-50. So we probably had around like 70-ish students there who were opposed to the mask mandate. But what we did was, because this was dropped down on us with no discussion from the student body, we didn't want this to be a one-sided event, right? We didn't want this to be us railing against the mask mandate. We wanted to promote the discussion that students never had the opportunity to have. And so we handed a megaphone to anyone who wanted it. We had students talking in support of mask mandates, talking in support of vaccine mandates, students opposed to all of it. We had people with all, all variety of opinions and gave them that platform to have the discussion finally that MSU never allowed us to. So they didn't allow you to be, to use the microphone more than an hour. Like how, how is that uh, with the free speech bill? How does that like fit in there? Cause uh, is there something about being disruptive? Um, why, why wouldn't that be allowed? Yeah, so the, the free speech bill effectively is a, a reminder to the universities to comply with First Amendment rights. There's not much in there that isn't already guaranteed by the First Amendment. And the First Amendment, is, as you're aware, can be subject to time, place, and manner restrictions. So this is, this is something like that that we I do think is a legitimate restriction. Because the noon to one hours, yeah, there's not classes going on. And so that's when you're not being disruptive when you're using a megaphone because you're not disrupting anyone in their classes. To get to the Daily, Car Daily Caller article that you sent me, um, it was kind of a big deal. We had Angela McArdle retweeting it and some, some big names retweeting it. it. says, exclusive university staffers attack student who started an anti-mask campaign on campus. Um, there's some pretty interesting quotes in here. Uh, some irony to it. Do you want to just tell the story there? Yeah, I mean, first I want to clarify, this was not an anti-mask campaign. It was an anti-mandate campaign, right? Mas masks, we think, are a personal choice. We're not against wearing them or people wearing them. It's just being forced by the university to do it. But what happened was I pulled a list of faculty and staff emails from the Montana State University website. This is all public information. Send them an email. I'm like, hey, sign up petition if you want to. Here's the link. And I received what you see in there is just a small amount of 
the replies I got back. But the funniest one to me is Rick Winking, who, as as you can see in there, he replied to me just with, uh, I don't know, do you have, do you care about the language I use on here? Should I, can I quote that directly? Go ahead. Okay. He replied to me with just two words, dumb fuck. He, he's emailed me a few times since then. He emails me every time. He emailed me with the mass media was expanded. He emailed me when the article came out. He sends me essays on a fairly regular basis. And the funniest part about that to me is that he was a counselor. He was the director of Insight, which is a counseling program at MSU. And he specialized in anger management. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, and there's also some I love stuff. irony. About, yeah, I know. And and there's, there's some stuff about the MSU president in here. Um, is it right that the president called the police on you? So she's actually denied that she had any involvement in shutting down Montana Hall and having the police blocking us from entering. I don't believe her. I don't, I don't believe that they're going to shut down an entire hall on campus and have police guarding it without the president's involvement, especially when it's the building that has her office in it. But she told me that she was out of town and was not involved in that decision. The police refused to tell me who was involved in that decision, though. I talked to them after the incident. So what happened was at the protest, we're like, okay, let's go deliver the petition. We've got a good number of people. Let's go walk into Cruzado's office and hand her this fast stack of over a thousand petition signatures. And the side door was locked. And so I made a joke. I'm like, oh, they're trying to stop us from delivering this petition. Just the side door. So we went to the front door. And as we get there, as we're coming around the building, police come from both sides and block the stairwell. And so we go up, we're like, what's going on here? We're trying to deliver a petition. They say, you, you can't do that. You're not allowed to go in. One officer lied about smelling alcohol in the crowd, which I'm sure you're well aware of how police lie about things like that at, at a traffic stop. They'll say they smell weed as an excuse to search your car. It, it felt to me very similar to that. It, they were using that as a pretext to stop us from entering. The Dean of Students came out of the building and offered to deliver the petition for us. And I asked to go with him. He said, no, no students are allowed in the building right now. And I said, I said, no, I'm like, we're not letting you deliver the petition. We're going to do it ourselves. We want to make sure it gets there. And he offered to have one of the police officers follow him, record a video of him delivering the petition. So I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll agree to that. We had him deliver it. He sent us that video. It, it was delivered to President Cruzado's assistant. And then afterwards, once things had kind of died down, we were still hanging out outside Montana Hall. We had a big crowd of people engaged in like smaller conversation, which I really loved because we were, we were finally having the dialogue about mask mandates that we never got a chance to. During that time, I went and talked to one of those police officers and asked him, where did this order to shut down Montana Hall come from? And he just wouldn't tell me. So, and the reason why was because they were claiming that students were, weren't allowed in the building at the time, or what, what was the actual reason why? It was just, you're not allowed inside right now, and we smell alcohol on you. Yeah, that's, that's just a joke. And then there's another quote in here. Um, I'm going to try to find it something about conservatives and how, yeah, there was a time when conservatives were respectable and had intellectual arguments that made sense. Now being conservative seems to mean emotionally stunted, whiny little victims. And that was the same guy, the counselor, Rick winking. Um, that's just kind of funny. And then he said, 
Yeah, he he retired on September 1st and had plenty of time to, quote, fuck with dumb shit whiners. Yeah. So is he, um, I mean, the, the funny thing there is just that, like, w- would you consider yourself a conservative? Would what, what do you think the political, like, were most of the people who came out, were they conservative or was there some overlap maybe with some leftists? And I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're a libertarian. Yeah, I, I consider myself more libertarian. I don't like putting labels on things because it, yeah. it kind of traps you into a way of thinking because you look at an issue, if you think of yourself as a libertarian, a liberal, a conservative, your first thought is how does my ideology approach this, not what do I think? But I'm definitely more libertarian than anything else. But the turnout was was very varied because I feel like we had a good mix of libertarians and conservatives, right? What you'd expect to be opposed to these kind of mandates. But even a lot of liberals were at, at this point, we have a vaccine, right? We have more effective treatments and more treatments like the pill that Merck has that cuts hospitalizations in half. More treatments are coming out. The, the risk of COVID is shrinking and people have the ability to protect themselves. A lot of liberals see that and say, look, I, if you're a liberal who is in support of these mandates in the beginning when things were different, a lot of those people are now opposed to those mandates because of our current situation. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's just like from people like Bill Maher coming out. And I mean, there has been like a reasonable response from some portion of the left or I guess neoliberals in the center. Um, so it, it's all kind of interesting how, how this doesn't necessarily seem to express itself on political lines. Like something that I've been saying is it's not really clear why this became inherently a leftist issue like you totally could have seen if if this happened in the bush era that conservatives could have had just the same response or like you know like it 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 doesn't seem like this current policy doesn't reconcile with like the peace love era of the hippie left you know so it's just not it's not clear why this has found itself you know in the political left where I mean, when you talk to people, it seems to be that, especially when it comes to vaccine mandates, this isn't on political lines at all. Like, like this is, this has become a personal issue where you have people like, you know, Rihanna wearing a shirt that is implying that all of this is dumb, you know, or like NBA players coming out. Um, But man, there's just, there, I'll link to this article because there are some really good quotes in there. There's another one where a professor just calls you a, a selfish idiot. And that, that guy's not retired. He's an active professor. And have, has anyone responded? Like, have any of these people come out and said anything? Have they been interviewed in any articles or? No, uh, Rick Winky did respond to the article by emailing me. And I noticed he emailed me from his personal email. So I'm guessing that MSU, even though they're trying to pretend none of this ever happened, they're trying to shy away from any media comments. It seems like they did take away his email account, which I think is hilarious. My big concern is for for the faculty members who emailed me back, and Seth Pincus is not the only one. He's just the one that was was printed. I don't have them in front of me right now, but there were about a dozen other faculty and staff currently employed who said things like this. And I worry about the students in their classes. Right? Are they going to be penalized academically for standing up for what they believe in? Are they going to be harassed by their professors? I, I know of students who have medical exemptions for the mask mandates who are still being berated by professors for it. Like this is not a this is a hostile education environment at this point. 
And then is, is Yao, what, what's the leadership of Yao like? Are you, are you the president of Yao or since you're a student, is, is it someone else? I'm, I'm currently still the president of okay. the Yao chapter. And then we've got Rachel Stevenson as our vice president. We have Dylan Stokes as our PR officer and McKenna Stokes as our secretary. Yeah, that's that's really great to hear. Um, and they're all current students. So I, I know people have been trying to delegitimize this group because I'm not currently a student, which one, I'm coming back, right? I'm taking a single semester off. I'm still an active member of the community and everyone else in our leadership team and everyone else in our membership is actively a current student at MSU. So I think those attacks are pretty baseless. Yeah, yeah. Well, how um, how often are you guys meeting up at MSU and are, are most of them libertarian leaning or are they conservatives? What, what would you say about that? We meet at least once a week. Sometimes we'll have two events in a week. We're, we're very active. And our membership is a fairly big tent group. We're more libertarian leaning. But we have some people who are, you know, identify as Republican conservatives, but have some more libertarian leaning ideas. It's, it's a big tent. Yeah, I, I have some questions about that that aren't really related to this article is um, what do you how do you see like the future of um, just the Republican conservative libertarian bridge? Like, are you seeing that a lot of the Republicans are are coming more towards liberty-minded ideas like when it comes to war or the drug war like are you seeing that on campus i I definitely have especially with regards to war i mean the the popular support for withdrawing from afghanistan cross party lines right this this was not a democrat or republican issue this was a, a popular issue and then yeah even even drugs the younger generation especially of people who identify as conservatives are in favor of ending or dialing back the drug war, decriminalizing at least some drugs. And it's, it's going to be interesting to watch how this plays out as the populist and libertarian factions of the Republican Party diverge and see what happens to the party. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's um, I don't know if you watched it, but I we had uh, Grizzlies for Liberty, the the libertarian group on campus. We did a watch party of the Scott Horton, Bill Crystal debate. And I think the most re- remarkable part of that entire debate and the fact that it happened is that it's it's arguing against empire and against war on Bill Crystal's own terms, like from the perspective of liberty. So Bill Crystal is arguing that we need to spread liberty across the globe. But Scott Horton is saying that like, everything you're doing is doing the exact opposite. And I, for anyone who hasn't seen it, like I really would recommend watching it. Um, but yeah, so what's, what's the group's plans for the future? Um, do you plan on organizing another protest? Uh, I know that we're going to try to do something here at the university of Montana, uh, but it looks like MSU really got off to a good start. Yeah. We're going to continue with this fight. But it's not going to be the only thing we're doing. This, this has been our main focus, but we're going to start working on other issues as well. We've got, we've got a solid number of members and we've got a solid leadership team. So we can focus on multiple things at once. We're going to continue with the mask stuff by putting pressure directly on President Cruzado. We're going to have a phone call campaign, having students call into her office and let her know what they feel about the mask mandate, as well as applying pressure in other ways. And then we're going to get back to working on, we're, we're trying to get involved in 
the court case over campus carry house bill 102 as i'm sure you're aware of it but we're working on an amicus brief to get involved in that case and have our voice heard by the courts in that we're working to help as this, this chapter is working to help get some exposure for some city council candidates that we're interested in we're doing a lot of work in a lot of different areas so this is this isn't over but it's not the only thing we're doing yeah uh just for people who might be interested do you want to just expound on what exactly the controversy is with the gun case and the lawsuit there yeah so the montana state legislature passed house bill 102 which was a very big gun rights bill it expanded the areas you were allowed to carry i think it added bars trains and the capital it was a constitutional carry bill as well so it removed the need for a permit and it allowed carry at on the universities the university system sued over this bill because they say it goes against their authority to regulate the university system and so that's in i believe it's in district court right now it's going to go to the montana supreme court and possibly the u.s supreme court this is a, a big deal yeah and it's it's super fascinating just how like it really kind of created like a constitutional crisis too about who and and it it kind of applies to the free speech case too and and the mandates um just about who really governs the universities and i mean you know if barring all of like the legal jargon and all of that i i personally think it just comes down to whether or not you know are, are they public institutions or are they acting like private institutions and it they they really seem like they want to have the same rights to discriminate that the courts have determined that private businesses have or private organizations have. Yeah, I think if they want to act like a private institution, then they can give up the half billion dollars they get in funding annually. Yeah. But as long as they're receiving that funding, as long as they continue to be a creation of the government, I think that they need to have legislative oversight. Yeah. And so one, one thing I want to see happen is an amendment to the Montana Constitution that clarifies the role of the legislature in regulating the university system, not giving them authority over curriculum, research, hiring decisions, things like that. But things like masks, things like free speech, things like gun rights, those are those should be the responsibility of the legislature because they're much more responsible to the people than the appointed unelected board of regents who serve seven year terms and have have no accountability mechanism. Yeah. And and for people who are interested, um, one of the board members actually sits on the Fed. Uh, the chair of the Board of Regents. Yeah. Is which, the vice president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve Bank. Which is just hilarious. And we need to do something on this about like how the Fed is directly responsible, like extremely responsible for the increase of prices in education and just this administrative bubble that they've created um, and how there's an extreme conflict of interest by having that person sit on the the board of the education system. Yeah, and other members of the board of regents aren't free of that either, right? I, I think it's four of them that work at in leadership in various banks. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, if, the, if there's anything you want to say, if there's anything that we missed that you feel like we need to talk about, uh, bring it up and then just shout out all of your social media and how people can reach out to you. Yeah, social media, Yal at MSU on, on Instagram, Y-A-L-A-T-M-S-U. That's where we're most active. On Facebook, uh, Montana State Young Americans for Liberty. 
those are the the best two ways to keep an eye on what we're doing. And our DMs are open. Message us if you got any questions. If you're interested in being a part of what we're doing, and yeah, keep up the fight you're doing. We'll keep up the fight we're doing. Yeah, sounds good. Well, let's stay in touch. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, see you, man. It's the weekend and we can let go. It's the full send and it's the get go. It's the get go and get go. Still not as green as a bank account screen on. Not really, though. You were probably jealous of me when I don't have a lot of money, but I've got a full bread box and somehow.